This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Batches? I don't have to show you any stinking batches! This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Greetings, salutations, howdy. Welcome to it, everybody. The Chris Salcedo Show. I'm happy you've tuned in. The telephone number is 888-900-3393. I know some of you had reached out to me yesterday saying that... uh, you were trying hard to get through on the phone lines. Didn't get a chance to talk with the producers yet about this, but well, I guess Ellie, hey, uh, they were trying to get through, but couldn't get through. So just uh, I, there, there could be some technical issues, and we will iron those out throughout the course of the program today. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Ask the phone number. Catching this show live, easy to do. Theblaze.com slash radio. The Blaze Radio smartphone app. The iHeart Radio app. By the way. Well, I'm thinking of the Blaze Radio smartphone app. Want you guys to think about uh, the reconstruction that has gone on. It looks different. I thought it was good before, but there's been some reimagining, if you will. So if you haven't seen the, if you haven't downloaded it yet, because I think it was automatically updated uh, when they made the changes. So if you haven't downloaded it yet, make sure you do that. Um, check out uh, the home of the Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook too. Go to Facebook, type in the Chris Salcedo Show, and you will find us there. The Chris Salcedo Show in that search bar. And Salcedo is spelled S-A-L-C-E-D-O. Same spelling when you go to Twitter. At Chris Salcedo TX. At C-H-R-I-S-S-A-L-C-E-D-O-T-X. This program, we are the antidote to the basket of bias. The, what I call, not so affectionately, the Brian Williams Press. The liberal biased press. Uh, Lots going on today. We'll have Kevin Brady. Coming into the show, he is, of course, the chairman of the very powerful Ways and Means Committee. Talk about Obamacare on life support. The Obamacare repeal, I should say, on life support. And Obamacare has already been on life support for a good many, many moons. But uh, we'll talk about that and we'll talk about tax reform. Now, uh, let's do, as we have been, we're, we're trying this out. And I want to see how you guys like this. And you can always give your feedback on Twitter or on Facebook or, or call us up. It's called the Flip Around. And what we do is it's just basically me with my remote. And we flip around with the help of uh, our friends at Grabian to hear what some of the basket of bias and other actually legitimate news organizations are covering as we're speaking. Kind of sets the tone for the entire show. We'll start off with CNN. Heard Jeff Zeleny say this, and it's important to underscore, is a policy 
and an idea to follow up on that. It's very right. complicated. I mean, Jen Psaki can tell you that better than anybody how complicated it is to come up with a policy. But he had very, uh, I think the fact is you, you kind of saw a president realizing the weight of the office. Uh, that he, She is, of course, making reference to Donald Trump, the president of the United States, comments today in reference to the chemical attack in Syria. Now, the initial response from the White House, I think, was appropriate to remind, remind the world that over the last eight years, Barack Obama did absolutely nothing but rhetoric in Syria. And Barack Obama sat by idly while Bashar al-Assad gassed his own people crossed Obama's fictional red line, and then Obama sat by and did nothing. Obama also sat by and watched 500,000 people slaughtered. And Donald Trump comes out today and says that, uh, well, uh, this is my responsibility. Even though these situations have been made exponentially worse by my predecessor. And and you know what? Look, Look, we've said this about Obama before. That if it was a problem before Obama took the Oval Office, it's a catastrophe after resident Obama got out of the Oval Office. All right, that was CNN. Let's go over to Fox Business, see what they're talking about. It's a less pressing issue, but equally uh, perhaps important when it comes to the money in everybody's, all our viewers' pockets. But after years of President Trump launching this all-out verbal crusade against Chinese foreign trade abuses, the president is now poised to meet face-to-face with China's leader, Xi Jinping, in less than 24 hours. On top of that, will North Korea hijack this conversation just as Syria hijacked the other conversation with King Abdullah? Let's bring in former U.S. Trade Representative Ambassador Ron Kirk. Um, look, uh, Ron Kirk from the Dallas area didn't have <laughs> not much expertise there. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, look, Xi Jinping, not a friend of the United States, the Chinese government, not a friend of the United States, militarizing the South China Sea. Yeah, they have been unwilling to rein in the crazy fat kid. <laughs> oh, one thing that John McCain got right, I think I, I think he he labeled correctly Kim Jong-un, the crazy fat kid. Problem is, crazy fat kid has nukes, courtesy of uh, the Democrat administration before Barack Obama, courtesy of Bill Clinton. And they're sharing the technology, the intercontinental ballistic missile technology, with the Iranians. And the Iranians, by the way, they're marching headlong into developing nuclear weapons. So there's a lot on the table. Um, we talked about this yesterday with, uh, with Herb London. And we'll talk about it tomorrow in greater detail with, with uh, the chairman of the House Homeland, uh, Homeland uh, Security Committee, uh, Michael McCall, about the different things that the, the president of the United States can bring to bear on China to get them to get off their lazy duffs and rein in the crazy fat kid. But it's, it has to be done. These missiles that they are testing can wipe out California. One, and they've got the nuclear technology courtesy of Bill Clinton. Now, I'm not sure how good our missile intercept systems are, especially after eight years of resident Obama and his lack of attention to these things. I mean, when it came to national security, let's just face it, Barack Hussein Obama, it wasn't his top priority, <laughs> okay? It just, it just wasn't. So there's a lot on the table tomorrow when Xi Jinping, Xi Jinping meets in Mar-a-Lago with, with our president, Donald Trump. 
And I think there is a lot of leverage economically we can put on China. Now, Barack Obama was always afraid of ticking off communists because, you know, he had a lot of love and admiration for communists because he is one at heart. So uh, there, there was never any real earnest to make the Chinese play fair because, you know, well, they're, they're come on, they're communists, they're cheaters. Naturally, they're cheaters. So you've got to use what leverage you have. And the United States does have plenty of that over over China. And we, we brought this up yesterday, too, with Herb London saying, hey, look, I don't know that China wants us to park an aircraft carrier, a combat group over there to quell the crazy fat kid. It'll give us it gives us an excuse to be over there. Last thing China wants us is over there challenging their supremacy in that region. And I think we need to be there, to be quite frank. All right, let's go to MSNBS, see what they're talking about. About surveillance. Uh, This is the administration's attempt to kind of turn the page Mm -hmm. on some of these mounting questions about Russia. To the second point that you make, though, Kate, he defended Bill O'Reilly, a Fox News host who has had five different sexual harassment settlements uh, and has been in the spotlight recently because of that, essentially saying, look, he thinks he's a good guy and he shouldn't have settled. So that statement raising a lot of eyebrows <laughs> as well. Again, this is an administration. Oh, wait a minute. How the hell do you go from Susan Rice? And, and notice how MSNBS utilizes Susan Rice possible wrongdoing in the Obama administration to say, oh, they're just using that as an excuse to come off this the Russia probe. Huh? Wait a minute. You can have a Russia probe and also Barack Obama and his administration could have been full of reprobates and people who violated the rule of law. Hey, hey, look, MSNBS, it's not our fault that what's her name? Andrea Mitchell didn't confront Susan Rice with why she lied. Remember this? I know nothing about this. I was surprised to see uh, reports from uh, Chairman Yunus on that uh, count today. Now, if you had real journalists over at MSNBS... They would have played that soundbite and say, Susan, why did you lie to NPR about having no knowledge of unmasking and you were the one doing the unmasking? How? How? But no, they didn't do that over there. Over at MSNBS. That's that's hardly. That's hardly the fault of uh, of the Trump administration. There are two separate issues here, folks, and I'm sorry the folks at at CNN and MSNBS can't wrap their heads around this. We've got now, uh, counting the FBI investigation, a nine-month-old investigation into possible collusion between Trump and Russia, Trump's team and Russia. And everything we've got is no evidence of collusion, no evidence of collusion, no evidence of collusion. Meanwhile, you've got Susan Rice all but admitting. She, she unmasked these conversations with with Trump folks, with non-Russia-related conversations that, according to Devin Nunez, did not, repeat, did not have any bearing on national security. So there are two tracks here. And you know what? What happened to liberals being concerned about, being, about illegal surveillance, about this uh, breach of civil liberties? that it appears Susan Rice was engaged in along probably with the full blessings of resident Obama. I've got some sound bites in this we'll play a little bit later on. I am not skipping Fox news on purpose. They're in a commercial right now. <laughs> so we're not going to go there about the Bill O'Reilly thing. Look there. I don't, I, I said this the other day. I don't know how much of this is smoke and I don't know how much of this is fire. 
it was a new, I think it was a New York Times piece that came out. And you, you got to take their reporting with a grain of salt because, frankly, they've been lying an awful lot lately since the election of Trump. All that being said, uh, like I, I have connections who have knowledge of what happens over at Fox. And, and, and this isn't the first time we've heard rumors like this, but I don't know if they're founded or not. I do know it's costing Bill O'Reilly. I, there have been sponsors that have pulled out uh, of his show based on this reporting. Um, and, and I don't know if there's any fire there. Oh, Fox is back. Hold on one second. Let's see what Shep Smith is talking about. For the names of people caught up in foreign surveillance. The New York Times broke this story, and Fox News Chief White House Correspondent John Roberts has now confirmed it with the president himself. The Times reports the president did not provide any evidence to support his claim. Sources have told Fox News Susan Rice requested the names of members of the Trump transition team caught in incidental surveillance of foreign targets. In other- well, no, the uh, uh, president has said that Susan Rice may have committed a crime. She may have. She may have. At best, what she did was improper. At worst, illegal. Back in a minute, the Salcedo Show, here on The Blaze. Reminding America that limited constitutional government is cool. The Chris Salcedo Show. On The Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. The Chris Salcedo Show. Listen. Dial. Speak. 888-900-3393. We're just talking with Ellie. Uh, and you guys get a vote on this, too. I wanted to know how you guys, what do you think about this flip-around segment? I, I, it, was a, it was born of this new technology I got from our pals at Grabian, and I'm thinking, this will be kind of a cool segment. Not only does it allow you to see what, I mean, snapshots of what the networks are covering. And where their editorial priorities are. Uh, it also allows me to demonstrate my political and news acumen <laughs> for all of you. But I, 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 do you guys like that idea? Just flipping around, boom, 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 boom. Uh, several. I only got four channels pulled up. I don't have. Well, no, there's C-SPAN. I do have C-SPAN pulled up as well. Uh, but there was nothing. Well, is that C-SPAN? Wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Fox Business, uh, C-SPAN, uh, CNN. Yeah. So anyway, if you like the the flip around, and the reason I the, and the reason I named it like that, I mean, I know I'm running dangerously close to. You know, hey, it's the flip off. No, 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 no. Not, <laughs> I'm not flipping you off. I'm flipping around, as if you know. And and, and I'm this kind of guy. I don't know if you are like this, but you you sit in front of the television. If nothing, you're just flipping around. You just flip. <laughs> what's good? What's good? What's good? Uh, drives my wife crazy, drives her nuts. And so I get, you know, a little bit of uh, uh, freedom, I suppose. Nobody, nobody else but me flipping around the channel. Now, of course, if you guys don't like the segment, I'm, I'm probably not going <laughs> to 
Keep it. But get, let me, give me the feedback. You can jump on uh, Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX at C-H-R-I-S-S-A-L-C-E-D-O-T-X. Oh, by the way, while you're on the Blaze, theblaze.com, uh, make sure you go to the channel section and find the Chris Salcedo Show there. Theblaze.com. Click on Channels and find the Chris Salcedo Show channel, and you can see our daily offering just in case you miss uh, the, the thrust of the program that particular day. Now, I mentioned I was going to get into some of the Susan Rice sound bites, and I played a lot of these for you yesterday because it was just breaking before we got on the air. The Susan Rice uh, interview with Andrea Mitchell over at uh, MSNBS, a woman who has been around a very long time uh, and should have known better not to confront Susan Rice as to why she lied to the, the American people again when she jumped on television and said she had no idea about what this unmasking stuff was about. Had no idea. By the way, uh, Kevin Brady, chairman of Ways and Means, coming up on the Chris Salcedo Show. I have to ask him about what's going on with uh, the resuscitation of the what, what I would hope would be an Obamacare repeal and deregulate. And then, of course, tax reform. What is tax reform going to look like? What is it going to mean to your bottom line? So we'll get into that uh, coming up as well. Again, Chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, Kevin Brady, from the great state of Texas. So that the Fox News panel last night started getting into the reaction from this Susan Rice interview out there. And they were, they were beside themselves because... I think we brought this up live yesterday, too. It was Fox Business that threw up a graphic saying that uh, ABC didn't cover it. NBC didn't cover it. CBS had 45 seconds of it. <laughs> so if you, if you wanted to figure out what laws may have been broken by the Obama administration and the abuse of surveillance, don't, uh, don't tune into uh, to the ABC or NBC. Because if it's bad for Obama, it reflects negatively on Obama, they're not going to report on it. And that means they're not really effective as a journalistic operation. You got it all. I got to say, last night I was watching a special report. Barry, you got all of it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And there was that Washington Post piece, and it was a piece. <laughs> it was a piece of something. Uh, talking about Betsy DeVos is, was it her brother? Was it something like that? Her brother-in-law, relative of Betsy DeVos, who was with the Blackwater security firm, arranging what some are calling a backdoor meeting with Team Trump nine days before inauguration on the Seychelles Islands with a, a, a Russian representative. And what they discussed was... now. Hold on, folks. What they discussed was trying to dissuade Russia from its cozy relationship with the dictator Bashar al-Assad, who just got through gassing his own people, that guy, and the number one state sponsor of terror, uh, uh, Iran. So Donald Trump coming into office, let's just say, that the and, and again, the, the same paper that put out the fact that the Russians hacked an electric grid when they didn't. <laughs> That's remember, that's the Washington Post. This is what they're putting out about this so-called clandestine meeting. And by the way, the White House denies that this guy had any affiliation with the Trump team. But let's just say that they did meet. And the objective was to say, Russia, come on, stop this 
collusion with the number one state sponsor of terror and stop this collusion with Bashar al-Assad, the dictator. Stop the presses. Oh, you mean Donald Trump wants Russia to stop colluding with terrorists? You got to ask yourself, why didn't Obama do that? <laughs> you know, because we all know Obama kind of had a, had a thing right here for terrorists and dictators and despots. So anyway, I, I, uh, that was the that was the the groundbreaking story from the Washington Post. Anyway, when we on the other side, I'm running out of time here before we got to go to a break again. When we get on the other side of the break, the Fox News panel was beside themselves because the coverage, the coverage of the revelations about Susan Rice spying on everyday American citizens, unmasking them for no, it appears, no good reason. We already know had nothing to do with national security. We already know it had nothing to do with Russia. Then why the hell was she doing it? She needs to be up in front of a a congressional panel under oath or maybe behind closed doors in a secure meeting because God only knows what she did. But who's she going to rat out? And we already told you the, the evolution of all of this. It was... Susan unmasks, Obama declassifies, and leftists throughout the government disseminate to the press. That was the system, right? Back in a minute. The Chris Salcedo Show will be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo. All right, some breaking news going on. Um, Fox News and others reporting that Steve Bannon. Let's get back to our top story now. White House advisor Stephen Bannon removed from his post on the National Security Council. There it is. I didn't even intend it to go that way, folks. That was a pop-up uh, video that came that, that now accompanies all Fox News write-ups. And yeah, you heard what um, what was said there. President Trump's controversial chief strategist, controversial, uh, Steve Bannon, removed from the National Security Council on Wednesday, according to Fox News and others. Bannon was put on the NSC's Principals Committee as a check on the former National Security Advisor Lieutenant General Mike Flynn to make sure Flynn carried through with a directive to depoliticize the NSC, a senior administration official told Fox News. Obama administration National Security Advisor Susan Rice uh, operationalized the NSC during the last administration, Bannon said in a statement. I was put on to ensure that it was de-operationalized um, and that uh, General H.R. McMaster has returned the NSC to its proper function. Bannon only attended one meeting of the Principals Committee and Flynn was fired from his role in mid-February after misleading Vice President Pence about conversations he had with the Russian official. With McMaster, McMaster replacing Flynn, Trump's, Trump saw no need for Bannon to stay on the committee as a check on Flynn, the official said. Bannon is still permitted to go to NSC meetings. So I'm not sure what this, what this all means, to be quite frank. It may mean that uh, Bannon was there to, uh, to just be kind of an overseer, make, things, make sure things return back to their proper role now that his role is done and Things are in good hands with uh, Mr. McMaster. We can move on. And maybe Mr. Bannon will. I, there is no mention that Mr. Bannon is going to be expunged 
from from the Trump White House. Anyway, um, that's just that's just breaking right now. Uh, did you guys hear what uh, Senator Gillibrand? She is a left wing extremist from New York. Did you hear what she said, Ellie? Did you hear about this? Uh, the, the headline in the Hill says this: Gillibrand. If we're not helping people, we should go the f home. <laughs> Classy. Classy. She said this to a uh, New York. Ma- it was New York Magazine, I think. At any rate, um, th- this shows you how dangerous these left wingers are. Not, not because she's classless and cursing. You're gonna be hanging out in here, so if you need to. Yeah. Okay. Pop up ads. Um. Not that she's classy and cursing. That's the name of my new band, by the way. Classy and cursing. (laughs) But the the fact that that she has so misunderstood her role as a senator. Really, Senator Gillibrand, your job is to follow the Constitution. If you're not following the Constitution, lady, you should go the F home. Just saying. Helping people and violating the Constitution to do it. Well, that's just that's just not permitted. But that's all your party seems to be about. 888-933-93-888-900-3393. That is the phone number. Okay, so back to the uh, discussion about Susan Rice. Fox News panel yesterday, Laura Ingram was was reacting to the revelations that that Susan Rice had been unmasked as the unmasker. And she was and she was not too happy, not only about that, but about the lack of coverage, which we'll get to here in a second from the most from most of the press. Well, an intelligence source I spoke to before I came on said it would be highly unusual for a political person at the National Security um, uh, Council to request the unmasking of individuals in these types of reports. Usually this type of information is pursued by the investigative bodies, not by the political apparatus of the president. You guys understand what she means by that? Uh, The investigative committees. National Intelligence Committee, um, uh, the the committees in both the Senate and the House, they are the ones, the investigative bodies are supposed to go after, after this kind of stuff. Political operatives are supposed to steer clear because they are political operatives. And Susan Rice, she was one of the biggest politicos, big left-wing extremist. Everybody forgets this about, Laura hasn't forgotten this about her, but that, that's who she was. She... Well, let, let Laura Ingram tell you, because I don't want st- to I remember this, but I don't want to take away her steam on. This. And then if it looks like what happened, that these this, these reports were widely then distributed uh, to uh, underlings, including unmasked names. There's really no reason to ever do that, except for political reasons. I mean, there was no, I presume there was no imminent threat of a terrorist attack in the United States. And if that had been the case, she would have then given that information to the investigative bodies. That Yeah, and, that, and that, that's not what happened. As a matter of fact, Nunez already told us this stuff wasn't related to Russia, certainly wasn't a national security concern because, again, nothing came of these. So... Susan Rice, as we played in these sound bites yesterday for you, said, well, sometimes to understand the nature of the conversation, you have to know who the American is. It's not it's not enough to have the pronoun American number one, American number two uh, in there. Otherwise, you couldn't understand the context of the conversation, which I don't buy for one second. 
you'd have to be a complete idiot. Uh, and again, these conversations, and I'm, I'm assuming that Devin Nunez went over them saying, well, wait a minute, even with this person being masked or even when they were unmasked, the conversations could never have been construed as being about Russia or being a national security threat. So why was Susan Rice unmasking these names? And that's the question going forward. Would have been in charge of dealing with that, but that's not what Susan Rice seems to have done. At the very least, she has a lot of questions to answer. It'll be interesting to see whether she claims executive privilege, which would indicate that the president had some discussion with her or someone in their executive capacity uh, of this matter. Wouldn't that be great? If she gets hauled... Her worthless rear end gets hauled up before Congress. And then she claims executive privilege. You know what that means? Obama knew. Obama knew. What what a precarious position. You know what? And this is a, a word to you Republicans out there who are on Capitol Hill. Get her butt in front of a committee. Or behind closed doors. If If she's going to allege, oh, that's... That's uh, national security. That's, that's, that's sensitive material. That's classified material. Get her in a secured setting and grill her rear end and see if she invokes na- uh, executive privilege. If she does, then we can safely assume that resident Obama knew about what she was doing. This is, this is too good. And Steve Hayes, he had other problems with the coverage yesterday and what Susan Rice had said to Andrea Mitchell over there on uh, MSNBS. What, what I think is most striking about Susan Rice's interview today with Andrea Mitchell is that she said that it was not uncommon for her to have asked for these kinds of unmaskings. Well, that is different. I mean, certainly everybody I've talked to with experience in this area says that such unmaskings would be uncommon. She- now, that is something that's, that's something that we didn't even boil down yesterday, didn't break down yesterday. That Susan Rice, and it's something I missed that she had said. But she's trying to come off, and this is what liberals do all the time when they're caught. Oh, come on. I'm not any different than anybody else. This happens all the time. It's like Hillary Clinton saying, hey, come on. I'm not, everybody has private email. No, but yeah, okay, people have private email, but they didn't have private servers in their basement where they did all of their government work. This is how they try to excuse their bad behavior, and maybe in this case, well, certainly in the case of Clinton, but maybe in this case, Illegal behavior. Well, everybody does it. Steve A says, well, no. <laughs> no. And then and that that opens up more questions. Hell, is was this commonplace in the era of Obama where Americans were being who were accidentally swept up in foreign surveillance were unmasked on a regular basis in violation of their civil liberties and their civil rights? Their their rights under the Constitution? Was this the the way things went? In the Obama administration? Saying that they're not uncommon, how often did she do this and in what other circumstances? But what I think is is so striking about this is Susan Rice is a well-known serial prevaricator. I mean, we, we know this. She's been caught in this instance in an obvious lie on this specific question about these specific unmaskings, as, as Susan suggests. How is it that reporters aren't going nuts asking her questions about this? Why is she lying? Why I mean, did she lie about this? this is- now, that is a, a fair question that anybody who's a real journalist would ask. 
if you are now, if you're an agendized journal, uh, not, you're not a journalist if you're agendized. If you're an agendized reporter, and you're only out there to advance Democrats and hurt Republicans, like apparently folks at CNN and MSNBS and and uh, ABC, CBS, NBC are, then naturally you won't ask these questions. You won't want to embarrass Susan Rice, who has been caught in yet another lie. She lied. NPR. I have knew it. Well, hold on a second. I've got the damn quote right here. I know nothing about this. I know nothing about this. She was being asked about this particular set of unmaskings, and she said... I know nothing about this. I was surprised to see uh, reports from uh, Chairman Yunus on that uh, count today. And now it's been revealed that she was the one. How, are, are we to believe that Susan Rice had no knowledge that she was unmasking people's names? And Andrea Mitchell and all the other reporters like you are not asking these questions. Do you think that's rational? That Susan Rice had no knowledge that she herself was unmasking people. <laughs> that Susan Rice had no idea that she was making requests to unmask people. Does that sound rational to you? So either that sounds rational in somebody's mind or these reporters are biased and not to be trusted and their news organizations are not to be trusted. I kind of go with the latter. <laughs> Just saying, because it doesn't pass the smell test. Gee, I had no idea. I had no idea I was unmasking, even though I was asking them to be unmasked. I've got more on the side of the break. It's the Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. Keep up with the Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on The Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show. A uh, one state is moving closer to being a uh, an entire state of lawbreakers. Uh, we'll get to that coming up on the Chris Salcedo Show. In uh, meantime, uh, Fox News Channel panel wondering why the biased press how how they can conceive and get away with not covering the Susan Rice revelations. They pulled it off, folks. They just ignored it. But they're being called out now by by a, a channel that reaches millions of viewers every single day. Howie Kurtz could do a whole segment on who's covering this. Well, this, there's a very interesting experience with one of our reporters today who was up on Capitol Hill asking what I think are, are the obvious questions. Give, given the news and the Eli Lake story yesterday, this is the obvious questions to ask. Why did she say this? How often did she do this? And why did she lie about it? And one of our reporters on Capitol Hill was asking members of the intelligence committees this question. Not only did she say that she was the only one really asking these questions, but other reporters who were asking questions of them uh, at the same time were looking her, at her as if she were crazy. Yeah, see, and the reason why why? The reason why this happens is because all of these air quotes with my fingers reporters, they have been given their marching orders that their job is to destroy Trump and to protect Obama. So when another reporter asks questions that are relevant, would be it be if this was the Bush administration and uh, the National Security Advisor for the Bush administration surveilling Obama. The left, the, these left-wing crazies in the press would be losing their minds. This would be the top story on the news. 
but it's Obama. It's Obama. So of course he's a leftist. Of course he breaks the rules. Of course he uses government against the people. That's, that's the assumption. And these people take it as a given. Or they support it. Of course, it's, it's cool when a, when a leftist, a, a big left winger, violates people's constitutional rights. We're, we're A-OK with that. It's when, you, it's when you Republicans step out of line and try to stop that kind of thing. It's, it, it, the, the whole world is upside down. These are serious questions and we need answers. Well, remember after the Benghazi fiasco and she went on the four Sunday shows and it was the videotape that well, it was five. caused the attack. That in and of itself would disqualify most people in corporate America from being able to, uh, to represent a corporate interest if they had been shown to have uh, told an untruth to the extent that she did. Remember, she wanted to be Secretary of State, and she wasn't going to be confirmed, so they had to put her over at National Security. And that was, you know, that was rewarding her to the extent that they could reward her after Benghazi. And so I think credibility is supposed to be important in Washington. And I think you're right, Steve. Like, where are all these reporters? Yeah, I agree. And can you, she, Susan Rice was so political and so left wing that there was no way she was going to get through the confirmation process. She was such a cancerous left-wing zealot who, you know, again, wasn't, she wasn't about protecting America. She's about destroying conservatives and destroying Republicans, just like her boss. And, and th- this, this conversation continues. You, you think, you wonder why we aren't asking questions about... Yeah, I do uh, wonder, to, Susan. To, um, to, uh, uh, she's going to be asked questions. Do you think yeah. there's any chance she won't be up, called up to testify? Well, why are the reporters not staking out so, the Brookings Institution? In, in some, Where in are cases, they? In some cases, it's not just that reporters aren't asking the questions. I mean, Chris Cuomo this morning on CNN said he called this fake news based on, right. the, on, the, on the say-so of a Susan Rice associate. I mean, that's not journalism. The Washington Post didn't cover why, it at all. not even there ask was, the question? A, a section of the Washington Post had not a single story about Susan Rice. All right. That's why we call them the basket of biased press, folks. They're not interested in informing you. They're interested in protecting libs. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Prepare yourself. To ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices? I don't have to show you any stinking vices! This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. There's been a renewed push to get a Republican health care package passed in the House by the end of the week with Easter recess on the horizon. Vice President Mike Pence, White House Chief of Staff Reince Priebus, and Budget Director Mick Mulvaney have been reaching out to both moderates and conservatives. That was Fox News yesterday talking about this renewed interest in getting some things done on the repeal of Obamacare. Let's talk about it with Congressman Kevin Brady. He represents the 8th Congressional District in the great state of Texas. He is chairman of the Powerful Ways and Means Committee and a key point man on the effort to rid the country of Obamacare and and the new emphasis on tax reform. Congressman, welcome back to the Salcedo Show. Hey, good morning, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I know this is, uh, and, and the speaker came out and talked about this yesterday uh, as far as where they're going with a, a possible deal to, to resurrect uh, getting rid of Obamacare. I know it's preliminary, but what are you hearing? What's the latest from the Hill? Are they making yeah. any headway? Yeah, so I was in the meeting last night for a couple hours. We finished around 1030 or so. Had the right people in the room. I think here, here's the key. 
look, don't don't rush this. You know, give people a chance to get to the right position. We're already we're gutting the taxes, the mandates, the spending, uh, defunding Planned Parenthood, making sure no tax dollars can be used for any insurance plans that pay for elective abortions. All that is already in there. The question here is, can you lower premiums both for the next two years for people trapped in Obamacare and then give states, you know, just maximum control to design health care that's right for Texas rather than directed out of Washington. And look, that that is exactly the right direction we ought, we ought to continue to talk. So, look, yeah. I, my point is, look, don't don't set a deadline of tomorrow or Friday or or whatever. Let people get to the right um, uh, place uh, and get this right. Okay, yeah, and you know, th- this has been the position of the Salcedo show, and and I think that maybe it is reflected in some of the opposition of the of the uh, the Freedom Caucus is that instead of accepting the, the idea that we need an entitlement here, maybe it's a, along the lines of repeal and deregulate, meaning removing government. Uh, I just wanted to get your opinion on this because we think this would be a, uh, would go a long way to winning some of these these uh, the, the conservative folks over is to basically say, look, if you're going to make this transition from the socialism of Obamacare into a freer market, uh, and and have all of these these subsidies or these tax credits as they're, as they're being called and and that kind of thing to cushion the blow, have a sunset provision after after we resurrect the free market, sunset it so that the those who don't want bigger government like in the Freedom Caucus can say okay we see a light at the end of the tunnel is there is there any discussion like that going on? Well, um, not too much. Although two two thoughts. One, this is a, a pretty good. Look, these are the first reforms of Medicaid ever in 50 years, so almost a trillion bucks of savings there, and they're in major deficit reduction. So people are feeling pretty good about uh, all the shrinking of government in this. Now it's really about how much state control we can give. And here's the big challenge, Chris. We in the House are operating under these weird Senate rules that, that sort of stop us every time we, we try to make get even more aggressive. They say, no, you can't do that sending it to us and our point is look we're gonna we're gonna stuff as much free market reforms in this bag as we can get over to the senate so that's part of the discussion last night as well is not only okay what do we do uh even better but how do we make sure we can get it through the senate over there congressman kevin brady chairman of the house and ways and ways and means committee joining the chris salcedo show right now so if if the obamacare thing got done it would make your next job a heck of a lot easier <laughs> which is which is tax reform give me a breakdown of what is now, there's some i will get into the stuff that's under debate but let's 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 lead off where there's a lot of consensus 216 uh, house members where you think that uh, some definite things that will be included in any tax reform package yeah so we're so chris this is where we get excited about this and there's no question getting health care reform done the right way builds a lot of momentum on, on the tax reform as well but here's what we're doing this only happens once in generation i mean it is a challenge of a generation so our goal isn't to leapfrog America from dead last into the middle of the pack. We're going to the top three best places on the planet for the next new job. And so we're proposing the three big reforms, the lowest tax rates in modern history on our local businesses and a redesign so that our companies can compete and win anywhere in the world, especially here at home and in Texas. Second big reforms we're proposing for families and individuals, a code so simple 
Nine out of 10 Americans will be able to file using a postcard-style system. And then finally, third reform, we bust up the IRS because we have a simpler tax code, demands a simpler tax collector. So we bust up the IRS, redesign it into a smaller 21st century agency focused on taxpayer service, not punishment. So those are the big those in it, those are the big strokes of what we're doing. And 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 that's where there's a lot of universal consensus. There is. There is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So now we're now one of the big sticking points, of course, is this border adjustment tax. Yeah. Which some say, uh, and a lot of folks on the House side say, this is something that equalizes America's trading prowess with other nations who do who who basically institute these kinds of taxes. There are those on the Senate side who say, well, it just transfers more cost to the people. Where are you on this? Yeah, well, so the reason we put it in here is that our competitors are beating the heck out of us with it. We're one of the few countries that doesn't border just. So today, uh, we give a tax break, in effect, a trillion dollars to foreign products over made in America and made in Texas products. One of the reasons, one, we can't compete and win, and secondly, it's why our companies are moving overseas. So we're saying, for the first time in history, everyone's taxed equally in America at the same low business rate. doesn't matter comes from China, comes from Mexico, comes from Canada, or made in the U.S., they're tax equally, level playing field for the first time in history. What that does is, one, creates a ton of jobs in America. We're going to sell a lot more made in Texas, made in America products around the world. But maybe the most important part of it is all the tax incentives to encourage companies to move their manufacturing plants or their research or the headquarters overseas is gone. In fact, just the opposite. Now you're going to see a giant sucking sound back toward the United States in jobs and manufacturing. That's why that what I, that I really call this a border equal tax, because we're going to tax equally uh, in America for the first time. All right. I've got about uh, 45 seconds left, but I wanted to ask you about the 75,000-page tax code that we have right now. Uh, what, what, will it be reduced down to something that, that Americans can actually comply with, and will it mean more money in the pockets of the, of the, the lower to middle class folks? Yes to both. First, uh, tax cuts on every income level. Uh, we are eliminating hundreds of special interest provisions. So we can lower the taxes on every American and our local businesses as well. Uh, the one of the reasons we're pushing hard for this postcard is the belief that, look, there's all these special provisions for some that no one ever gets to use. And they keep rates, tax rates high in America. So let's lower let people, rates, let people keep more of their money. You decide how you want to use it. So that's our whole goal of the postcard is to be so simple and so fair. Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, it was uh, Dr. Benjamin Carson who observed that the tax code is so cumbersome that if the federal government wanted to get you, they could get you on a tax uh, a tax loophole. Uh, and and that's, that's bad when, you, when no American has a yeah. prayer of complying with the tax code. Congressman Kevin Brady, folks, 8th Congressional District in the great state of Texas, chairman of the Ways and Means Committee. Sir, always appreciate you carving out time for the Salcedo Show. Thanks, Chris, and thanks for your leadership on tax reform. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. All right, back in a minute, folks. The Chris Salcedo Show on The Blaze. This is The Chris Salcedo Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo is on The Blaze Radio Network. Let me say... A few words about recent events. Yesterday, chemical attack. A chemical attack that was so horrific 
in Syria against innocent people, including women, small children, and even beautiful little babies. Their deaths was an affront to humanity. These heinous actions by the Assad regime cannot be tolerated. The United States stands with our allies across the globe to condemn this horrific attack and all other horrific attacks. That was Donald Trump uh, in the Rose Garden today. He had King Abdullah beside him when he was making these comments. Look, it's no secret to all of you that I I am no fan of, of, I I shouldn't say no fan, that I preferred the A-team being there in the State Department. Uh, John Bolton, I'm kind of a John Bolton guy. When Rex Tillerson came out and said that Bashar al-Assad's future was up to the Syrian people, and you know what? I hate agreeing with John McCain, but I have to in this in this case. When when you have a dictator who is gassing his own people, uh, and slaughtering his own people, you don't have much of a, a say in what that dictator is doing. So Rex Tillerson's timing could not have been more poor now granted he couldn't there's no way he could have known that the dictator Bashar al-Assad was going to launch a gas attack so soon after he uttered those words but he had to know that Bashar al-Assad had attacked his own people during the Obama administration the Obama administration did absolutely nothing to stop it don't don't forget that it was resident Obama and I got I got to pull these sound bites you know, I might even I might even have some of them at the ready here. Hold on a second. Um, yeah, here it is. Hold on a second. I want to make it absolutely clear to Assad and those under his command, the world is watching. The use of chemical weapons is and would be totally unacceptable. And if you make the tragic mistake of using these weapons, there will be consequences and you will be held accountable. And then Bashar al-Assad said, yeah, you're a weak, feckless idiot. I'm going to use chemical weapons because I'm a dictator. That's what I do with all of uh, with Russia's blessing. And then what did Obama do? Obama did nothing. And he knew he was going to do nothing. We, we knew this was the kind of weak and uh, feckless individual Obama was, continues to be. And so when he got called on it by a scant few in the basket of biased press, resident Obama actually said, now you guys just heard him. Yeah. Talking about his red line. And there's actually another one where he actually uses the red line terminology. Um, but here he is after he's caught after, after the red line has been crossed and after the world is saying, well, Obama, you said if, if Assad did something, he crossed that red line that you were going to do something. And here's what Obama said in response. First of all, I didn't set a red line. What? 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 Well, you most certainly did. 
As a matter, you know, in a quick search here in the Salcedo Show archives, I was not able to find the exact quote where Obama used the term "red line," but I trust me, I have it. And we all remember Mr. Obama saying, "Well, oh, that's going to change my calculus. That's going to change my. That's a red line for me. If we start seeing chemical weapons moving on the ground, that's going to be that's going to be a red line for me." Actually, I actually have it right here. Hold on a second. We have been very clear to the Assad regime, but also to other players on the ground that a red line for us is we start seeing a whole bunch of chemical weapons moving around or being utilized. Uh, that would change my calculus. That would change my equation. That would change my calculus. That would change my equation said resident obama so then bashar al-assad goes uh all the dictators and the despots around the world figured out obama right away and you know what to be quite frank all the left-wingers they figured out obama right away too they all knew he was a toothless feckless individual who was in no way interested in stopping atrocities like this around the globe that there was no ally that he would stand up for. He, hell, he wouldn't even stand up for his own country, much less an ally. So then he lays down the red line in that soundbite. And then he comes back and says, well, um, first of all, I didn't set a red line. <laughs> because, but the press carried his water. They said, oh, yes, because Obama said it. He declared it. I no. No, no, the, the soundbite that you heard before doesn't exist anymore because now Obama has said he never said that. First of all, I didn't set a red line. The world set a red line. The world set a red line when you said my calculus had cha would change? So this is what we've been treated to the last eight years. You've got these despots who have been able to build up their power, build up their authoritarian regimes, without America standing in the way, because that's the way Obama wanted it. They also know that Obama gutted the U.S. military, so our capability to respond now has also been diminished. There was an F-16 crash just today because we can't keep our birds in the air because resident Obama left a dilapidated military after his occupation of the Oval Office. There's another story out there. I got to find that where our aviators are now afraid to fly. They're refusing to fly because the military that resident Obama left Donald Trump was so dilapidated and so unsafe. It's, uh, you know, and then here's John McCain. He went, did you, did you guys recall John McCain? counterwalling and yelling at the top of his voice these entire eight years? No. He wasn't out there leading the charge. He was going along to get along with his Democrat friends. Now when Trump gets into the, into the White House, oh, now McCain says, well, 50, <laughs> $54 million, uh, that, that, a billion dollars, that's not enough. $54 billion, that's not enough. After decrease, after decrease, after decrease, and our military spending under resident Obama, John McCain wasn't out there caterwauling and yelling at the top of his voice. 
Did he use any of his airtime with a basket of bias press to decry Obama? Hell no. But Trump gets up there, increases spending, and then, oh, that's not enough to John McCain. It's kind of sickening, really. At any rate, now, you know, Trump, I think yesterday, you can get away with pointing out the obvious. But now this is this is your this is your issue now, and you're going to have to start dealing with it. And Trump was asked about this, I think, on, in the Rose Garden today. Chemical attacks, and does the chemical attack cross a red line for you? Well, I think the Obama administration had a great opportunity to solve this crisis a long time ago when he said the red line in the sand. And when he didn't cross that line after making the threat, I think that set us back a long ways, not only in Syria, but in many other parts of the world, because it was a blank threat. I think it was something that was not one of our better days as a country. So I do feel that, Julie. I feel it very strongly. To the chemical I now have responsibility, and I will have that responsibility and carry it very proudly. I will tell you that. It is now my responsibility. It was a great opportunity missed. As you know, I'll be meeting with the president of China very soon in Florida. And that's another responsibility we have, and that's called the country of North Korea. We have a big problem. We have somebody that is not doing the right thing. And that's going to be my responsibility. But I'll tell you, that responsibility could have made, been made a lot easier if it was handled years ago. Now, contrast that, if you will, with the first two months of President Obama's administration. President Obama, I think it was three or four years, was blaming Bush for the reason why things weren't getting better in the United States of America. Here's two months in, and Donald Trump's already saying, yeah, this could have been handled better, but it's now my responsibility. I guess there's a difference between a man and someone who's not. 888-900-3393. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, let's get into a little bit of uh, the the back and forth. With I, I don't want to lose sight of the the Gorsuch the Gorsuch fight uh, because I, it, it's going to be important. And I and here's the reason why I think it's so important is not only because of the Supreme Court and we're we're going to get we're going to win this one. There's no way we can lose this one. The only losers will be the Democrats. Because if they go where I think they're going to go, which is right down the tubes as far as their credibility is concerned, they're going to filibuster. They're going to make a big deal. They got some some kook senator was on the on the Senate floor for 12 hours in a filibuster style type speech talking about how he wants Trump to nominate Merrick Garland to make amends. They, they, they're, they're unhinged. They're deranged. They've forgotten the history. They've forgotten the Biden rule. They've forgotten what Chuck Schumer said about George Bush nominees not being able to be put up for a year and a half. They've forgotten so many things that they think that we have forgotten. They think that we are that stupid 
that we have forgotten their treachery in the past, their justifications for denying uh, conservatives our nominees. Now, the Democrats have resorted to fear tactics and you're going to regret it. You're going to regret it. And I thought it was instructive yesterday to remind some of us, just, just so you guys know, when you're having conversations with your liberal friends and they come up, yeah, Republicans destroyed 200 years of, of precedent. They, just, they destroyed uh, our, the fabric. They destroyed the fabric of the country. Well, you can say, well, yeah, but the Democrats did it first. The first political party to go nuclear on judges was the Democrat Party. They were the first. And then Chucky Schumer said, well, this is a lifetime appointment. Well, so too are um, (laughs) the other benches, the federal benches. Lifetime appointments. So um, it was also going to be the Democrats who will be the first party to ever filibuster a judge. So spare me this whole idea that it's it's the Republicans, the dirty, the dirty Republicans, and they they don't like democracy. Spare me. I wish I could. I, I found the display on the floor of the Senate to be so pathetic and so transparent that I didn't even make note of this. Hold on. I bet you I can find it on a... On a Google search. Hold on a minute. I mean, I, I think this person deserves a derision. Uh, twelve, uh, some derision. Uh, Twelve-hour speech, Senate floor, Gorsuch. Let's see. Which it was. There he is, Senator Merkley. <laughs> Senator Jeff. Merkley. And of course, who's writing about it? The Washington Post. Merkley holds Senate floor for over 15 hours in speech against Gorsuch. Oh, good for him. <laughs> I guess I guess he's doing it because he wants to show lefties that he's fighting by getting up there and speak. Speaking, this guy I mean, it was a, a bunch of rambling nonsense because he was butthurt over Merrick Garland. And to Senator Merkley, if, hey, look, if anybody here uh, in the Blaze audience wants to reference Se- Senator Merkley's uh, office to this clip, Senator Merkley, look, Senator Butthurt, listen, <laughs> listen, here, here is why Merrick Garland was not put up for or even considered by the Republican controlled Senate for uh, an, a nominee to the Supreme. He's put up by Obama, but it wasn't considered and wasn't even heard by the GOP. Here's why. It is my view that if a Supreme Court justice resigns tomorrow or within the next several weeks or resigns at the end of the summer, President Bush should consider following the practice of a majority of his predecessors and not, and not name a nominee until after the November election is completed. See, now, Senator Merkley, you can go ahead and say that 
Joe Biden was foolish to say that? That Joe Biden, the old man, didn't know what he was talking about? You could say that Joe Biden had his head so far up his rear end that he didn't know which, which way, if he was coming or going. That Joe Biden ought not be listened to. That Joe Biden's kind of a little loopy, a little crazy, maybe smoked a little too much dope when he was a kid. You can say that, Mr. Merkley, but he was on your side trying to stop a nominee. Uh, well, it wasn't even trying to stop a nominee, just in case there was a nominee. I guess there was, I can't remember the exact circumstance that was surrounding the, the potential for a Supreme Court vacancy toward the end of George W. Bush's term. But it's what necessitated these Democrats to pee themselves and to get out there and set up these standards. Joe Biden continued. And look, again, Senator Merkley, I could have saved you 15 hours of, of fundraising on the Senate floor. The Senate too, Mr. President must consider how it re- would, would respond to a Supreme Court vacancy that would occur in the full throes of an election year. It is my view that if the president goes the way of Presidents Fillmore and Johnson and presses an election year nomination, the Senate Judiciary Committee should seriously consider not scheduling confirmation hearings on the nomination. Well... And that's precisely what Mitch McConnell did. He followed the Biden rule, Mr. Merkley. Followed your vice president in the last election, Mr. Merkley. Now, I'm willing, look, Senator Merkley, if you're, if you're willing to come to my side and say that Joe Biden doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, you know, maybe you and I can talk. Maybe you and I can have some agreement. Now, what about Dianne Feinstein? Do you think she's a little loopy too, Senator Merkley? Do you think she's she's kind of a moron? Because here's what she said uh, when it came to Sam Alito being put up by George W. Bush. I, I think when it comes to filibustering a uh, Supreme Court appointment, you really have to have something out there, whether it's gross moral turpitude or something that comes to the surface. Now, so, I mean, this is a man I might disagree with that doesn't mean he shouldn't be on the court oh wait a minute so so your colleague diane feinstein is saying you know back when when sam Melito was being put up by the bush administration that just disagreeing with it with his outlook and his constitutional philosophy isn't enough to filibuster them but you're going to and of course now she's a hypocrite too because she's going to be filibustering right along with you Mr. Merkley. But I mean, was was Diane Feinstein wrong back then too? And I guess we could ask this of of uh Diane Feinstein too. Well, is it the Diane Feinstein today or the Diane Feinstein back in uh back in the Bush era who was right? See, the reason I'm pointing all this stuff out, folks, is A, the hypocrisy of the Democrats. B they have full tilt bozo lost their minds. Uh, Merkley is a prime example. Man sat up there for 15 hours rambling on and on and on and on to appease a freak kook fringe base. Those who are the, the moneyed interests of the leftists, the Democrat Party, those committed to undermining the Constitution of the United States and making us a, a third world power. 
This this is who. And again, Mr. Merkley wants to, to to take advantage of that money to do their bidding. So he's up there. He's up there for 15 hours talking about how it was so unfair for Merrick Garland. It was so well, well wait a minute. Either Mr. Merkley wants us to take his political party seriously, doesn't he? Well, the when the Republicans decide to listen to Joe Biden. And listen to Diane Feinstein and and listen to Chuck Schumer. That we should not confirm any Bush nominee to the Supreme Court except in extraordinary circumstances. He uttered that with a year and a half left in Bush's term. So, Mr. Merkley, I, I would just direct you to your Senate colleagues who have spoken out in the past and have been, well, I wouldn't say sane maybe articulate i guess we can, we can give them the the brownie points for being articulate and they laid out the case as to why merrick garland should not have been heard should not have been considered because he was being nominated wrongly by barack obama in an election year and to mr merkley i'd ask you why is it you democrats get to set that standard when there's a republican in the in the office but de- republicans can't set that standard with a Democrat in the office. Why the double standard, Mr. Merkley? Now, I know you'll never be asked this question of the basket of biased press, but I'm hoping that somebody out there will make sure that this MP3 or this file gets to your office and so that you can at least be confronted with a question and confronted with your own rank hypocrisy, sir, and so that you know that there are radio programs like mine all over this country exercising our freedom of speech and our freedom to question partisans like you and reprobates like you, sir. And so that you will know we're watching always back in a minute. Dial in, let it out. 888-900-3393. This is the Chris Salcedo show. Part of generation blaze on the blaze radio network. The Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. They must prove. They must prove by actions, not words, that they are in the mainstream, rather than we have to prove that they are not. That's Chuck Schumer. And again, I'm tired of the double standard. Uh, Always, always we have to prove that our nominees fit the Democrats. They never have to prove that, that their nominees fit our, our criteria. Why is it the Democrats get to set their criteria? You know, we, we, we didn't get a say in Kagan. We didn't get a, a say in Justice Sotomayor. No, they were left-wingers, and everybody just accepted, well, you know, Obama's a left-winger, so he gets to nominate left-wingers. Everybody accepts that. Republicans don't have any say in that. But when a Republican puts up, oh, well, you know, this, this must pass muster with Democrats. What are you talking about? This is, this is absolutely crazy where we are. Now, maybe I didn't explain myself particularly well when it came to saying why I think this is a problem for Democrats. This is going to be a problem for Democrats because, you know, Gorsuch isn't going to be the last appointee to the high court. 
the, the, he's not going to be the the last nominee to the high court from from Trump. And you know what? After after this display, tell me what goodwill that the Democrats are always saying. Well, we're not going we're not going to work with Donald Trump. We're not going to hold on a second. Here here's here's Fox News Channel saying they're not going to work with Donald Trump if if the Republicans go forward with their with their plans. Democrats can't stop Republicans from using the nuclear option this week, so instead, Democrats are trying to scare them. There's a reason they call it the nuclear option and that is that there's fallout. Minority leader Chuck Schumer suggests that any hope President Trump has of working with congressional Democrats during his time in the White House will evaporate. You know, and by the way, uh Blumenthal, that was Sid, uh, that was Senator Blumenthal. Look, the the fallout is happening right now. Republicans are dishing out fallout from when you Democrats went nuclear. This is the fallout. Not what the oh, oh we're gonna the fallout's gonna come from us. No, the, the, you're you're now you are now enduring the fallout from Republicans because of what you did with lower court judges. This is the fallout. And, of course, the basket of biased press is going to attempt to let them get away with it. But this is something you all have to know and understand. This is all courtesy of Democrats and their reprehensible behavior. If Senate precedent is changed to confirm a Supreme Court nominee. But before Schumer's party sees its power diminished even further, he is calling for something seldom seen on Capitol Hill these days. Compromise. We should now get in a room and come up with a compromise to avoid the nuclear option. Republicans ultimately don't seem too concerned with what Democrats do. The question really of how he is confirmed is up to the Democrats. Now, why... Why was there no compromise on Sotomayor? Why was there no compromise on Justice Kagan? Why? Why wasn't there an insistence that uh, that Republicans, because Democrats aren't willing to talk about compromise when they're in the majority. The only time the Democrats want to talk about compromise is when they're in the minority. It's, it's, and you know what? And I can't recall any Republican saying, well, let's have some compromise here. The Republicans said, look, you're the party in power. You get to, as long as this person's qualified, you get to make the appointment. That's, that's the way it's been. But here, here the dip again, I've said this over and over again. Democrats are responsible for the degradation and the loss of goodwill. Hey, remember everybody, society's worth not measured by how much power is seized by government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. See you tomorrow. Salcedo Show. The Chris Salcedo Show, part of Generation Blaze, only on the Blaze Radio Network.